0: Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 32 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I have a really special episode for you. We have compiled the best of the 2017 Successful Fashion Designer episodes, and we've put them all into one segment. So if you only listen to one episode this entire year, this is the one you should hear. We're gonna cover everything from launching a label to freelancing to growing your career. So no matter what aspect of the industry you're working in, there's something in this for you. If you wanna skip just to the part, for your interest you can check out the show notes and I've put the time slots of when we talk about each topic the first year of the podcast has been so much fun you guys and your support has been through the roof We've gotten really phenomenal ratings on iTunes, and I get tons of great feedback in my inbox. Thank you so much for going on this journey with me. It's been phenomenal, and I can't wait to see what the next year has to bring. Now, before we get started, I have two things to share. One, I do want to share a couple of feedback, uh, pieces of feedback I've gotten, testimonials um, and reviews on iTunes, because some of these are so great. They literally bring tears to my eyes sometimes. So first is from Love from Austin, Texas, and she says, as a senior fashion merchandising student i have gained so much from this podcast more real world advice for working in fashion than i've ever gotten from my professors do yourself a favor and listen to every episode then listen again and again thanks so much heidi thank you love from austin texas i love this feedback so much you have no idea next is from pb fashion one pb fashion one says i am always grateful for heidi sharing the industry I'm an experienced designer but still find lots of new things to learn Heidi gives out so much free information and I'm sure she works her butt off for us you guys I do work my butt off for you but I love it so much it makes it worth it when I get these kind words back from you you have no idea how much they mean to me and last is from Ruby3 Anna Lee Ruby3 Anna Lee says I find that any resource Heidi puts together is so well prepared thoughtful and ultimately valuable to anyone who is in the fashion industry and is looking to build their skills I'm a solopreneur who has been in different aspects of the industry for nearly two decades. And I love listening to this podcast while working in my studio. It's like having super smart coworkers sitting next to me. Ruby3Annalie, I can totally sympathize. I work from a home office and I'm alone a lot of the time. So what a great treat to have sort of these digital super smart co-workers sitting next to you. Thank you so much again, you guys. Your support means the world to me. Now, one last thing I want to share with you. If you missed it, I recently released a ultimate guide to being a freelance fashion designer. This bad boy is over twenty thousand words. It is insane. I poured my heart and soul into this. It's absolutely free, and it is full of swipe files, downloadable templates, and real actionable advice on how to figure out your rate, how to negotiate and put together contracts, how to present your portfolio, what you need to include, and what format you should put it in, and how to find clients and actually reach out to them to ask for work. You guys can find that absolutely free ultimate guide to being a freelance fashion designer at sfdnetwork.com freelance. So do yourself a favor and check it out. All right, we are on to the episode. Again, we cover three essentially three different categories. Launching a Label, Freelancing, and Career Growth. And there's also a little bonus clip at the end. Uh, I just couldn't leave this one out. So have a great listen. Thanks again so much, you guys. And I'll talk to you next week. In this first part of the Best of 2017 Successful Fashion Designer podcast, I'm going to go through a couple highlights about launching your label or creating your own collection in the industry. A lot of the interviews have touched on this aspect of the industry and there's so much valuable information, but I wanted to highlight two specific people on the show. The first is Jay Arbitman. Jay runs the sourcing district and he helps designers source and find all the materials that they need to launch their collection and to go into production. This is anything from fabrics to trims to hang tags to zippers, everything that you need. And Jay is awesome. He has so much experience in the industry i think over like 30 years or something insane he has a lot of really sound advice he can help you get your materials at great prices and really 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 low minimums Um, and i love this interview because one of the number one questions designers ask is where do i find supplies where do i get my resources my my materials my supplies and jay walks us through step by step how to do that uh if you want to listen to the entire episode, you can get that at sfdnetwork.com slash 20. Now in this clip, Jay shares with us the number one mistake that indie and startup designers make, and it has to do with where they buy their fabric, and I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let Jay share that with you, um, but this is a mistake that a lot of designers make, and... We don't want to see this happen to you because you will overpay, and you will not be able to get what you need. If you buy something today, you cannot go back in two months and buy two hundred more yards. So, I'm going to turn it over to Jay now to share with you the number one mistake that designers make and what you can do instead.
1: Well, most of the um, uh, most of the suppliers in New York. Um, that a lot of what you'll see storefront wise, they're just retailers in disguise.
0: Mm, that's what I thought you were going to say. So, <laughs> so, so the guy that you
1: may want now there's a couple of exceptions, but the guy that you may want to see, he may be on the seventh floor on, <laughs> uh, you know, on uh, in uh, uh, two thirty seven West thirty seventh Street. Sure. He may be on the uh, on the second floor of some building on 40th Street or 39th. Mm-hmm. So it may not be apparent, and uh, um, and and but there are lots of um, you know I think the most famous one is Mood Fabrics. I mean Mood, if you're a designer and you go to Mood, you might as well just flush your money down the toilet. Yeah, they're a retailer. Yeah, and a matter of fact, one of the uh, companies that i represent um a lot of their collection is in mood and so you can buy silk uh uh you can buy uh silk chiffon from me for uh eight dollars and ten cents a yard or you can buy it at mood for 22 oh wow do you think it's a better deal
0: it's almost triple
1: uh-huh right
0: right thanks so much jay for that awesome insight and advice Um, i love the fact that you mentioned mood because as many of you guys out there listening we're probably all big fans of project runway and they've really glamorized that and while mood may be a really fun place to pop into or any of those sort of front-facing shops in the new york city garment district and if i'm not mistaken i would say that this goes holds true for garment districts in other cities as well these front-facing stores are really retail. You're paying retail prices. You're not going to get the continuity, as Jay mentioned. And so work with a real fabric supplier that can give you the continuity that's actually going to give you wholesale pricing, even if you're not buying huge, insane quantities. Thanks so much, Jay. Next up, we have Tracina and Lauren of the Sales Concept this was one of those interviews that when I re-listened to it, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I re-listened to every single interview. At first, I felt like it was going to be a chore, but it's so funny because when I listen to the interviews a second time for editing purposes, I pick up so many more things that I somehow missed on the first round of listening. and. I just I don't know if it's that I'm so in tune to the interview and thinking about the questions that I don't hear everything that they say or it's just so much it's so much mind-blowing information. I just can't absorb it all in one listen. So when I was re-listening to this episode, I remember I was on a hike and I was like kept stopping in my tracks thinking, oh my God, that's such a great point. Oh my God, that's so smart. That's so amazing. So what Tracina and Lauren do is they run a business called The Sales Concept and they help designers merchandise. And Sell their collection. And what does that even mean? Well, if you really want to know what merchandising means, listen to the interview because they go through that in detail there. But selling your collection, selling your product, getting your product into retail outlets is sort of that finish line that I think a lot of designers never even think about. Um, and I, I don't want I to say that in a mean way, but I think so many of us get really wrapped up in the design process that then it, when it comes time to really sell, we can kind of shut down or it's just something we don't really plan for in advance. And in this interview, Tracy and Lauren walk us literally through step by step exactly how to sell, how to approach a boutique, whether it's in person or email or on the phone or at a trade show, what to say. They give us exact scripts. It's so amazing. And in this clip I'm going to share with you guys today... Uh, Tracina explains the first hurdle you kind of have to get over when it comes to selling your, your product, your designs, and it's that... It's this selling mindset that we have to get into, and I know that can be really hard for many of us creatives, but she tells us, and I, I believe this too, you're the best person to sell your product, and so she gives us some tricks to kind of eradicate negative talk and uh, how we can kind of get over some of those mental barriers that we all have, whether or not we want to admit it. If you want to listen to the whole episode of this show, go to sfdnetwork.com slash nine. All right, take it away, Tracina.
2: When you go out to sell, I mean, let's just be honest, sales isn't easy. It, it's really not. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and Lauren, Lauren and I, when we talk to our students, um, the first thing they say is, I suck at sales. <laughs> I'm a designer. I'm creative. I don't know what I'm doing. Please help. <laughs> um, and we let them know that, look, no one can sell your, bro- your product better than you. Why? Because you designed it. You know it in and out. Um, so my thing with designers is mindset first. Um, I know it's uncomfortable and our, our brains are actually designed to protect us from negative and harmful things. So if we go in to approach a new store, that's something we're not comfortable with. So we'll automatically say, oh, I can't go in there, I can't talk to the designer. So I tell designers to eradicate negative talk um, because that actually stops them uh from approaching the boutique owner or a big box retailer buyer that's super super important yeah um and then skill set um to approach a buyer the number one thing is to be confident to be confident and relaxed um not to be very scripted uh because no one likes to be sold to <laughs> i mean it's it's just common no one really wants to be sold to um but if you, if you come at it from an angle where it's very relaxed um, and you're very confident, um, so what does that really mean? It means when you're a designer, you create two different lists. You create a list that consists of your existing accounts and prospects. That's really important. On your prospect list, you state the buyer who you want to get in contact with, their contact information, email phone number. Um, and then you set a date in your calendar to visit the store. Once you're at the store, you do not sell on your first visit. Now, Heidi, this is this actually blows designers away. They're like, <laughs> what do you mean I can't sell on the first visit? That's why I'm showing up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. I totally do. Um, but again, sales is all about relationships. Yeah. Um, it's imperative to build that relationship. And it's, it's really hard and difficult to build a relationship when you first meet someone and say, hey, I have this wonderful product. Do you wanna buy it from me, please? I, I know it's gonna fit in your store and your, your end consumer's gonna love it. Yeah. That's not how you create a relationship. Um, and
0: that's actually alarming. You guys, that was just a tiny, tiny snippet of that episode. The entire thing is, I think it's about an hour, and it is mind-blowing. So if you are in the selling stage, or maybe you're almost there, or maybe you're not even close, but you kind of want to get a a glimpse of what it may be like, listen to the whole episode. Again, you can grab that at sfdnetwork.com slash nine. Thank you so much, Tracy and Lauren from The Sales Concept. Your guys' insights and advice are through the roof amazing. You're the best. All right, up next in the best of the successful fashion designer podcast from 2017, Woo, woo we are going to talk about freelancing. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Why? Because nobody talks about it. And it is so fun to... Once you get people going, like it's so fun to talk about strategies and why you do this that way. Um, And I always recommend designers to just, you know, break down that barrier and talk with other freelancers in the space and be transparent. Because guess what? They're just as curious about your process as you are about theirs. So have those conversations in this first conversation um, that I'm going to share with you guys. I chatted with Melissa Mendez. Melissa Mendez is a super successful freelancer. She lives in New York City. She freelances for some of the big names in New York City. She does some small projects for startups or other businesses and brands located outside of New York City. And she has gotten her success through cold email pitching and she does a great job. She walks us through the exact pitch that she uses and and that's not the clip I'm going to share with you guys, um, but it is available if you want to listen to the whole episode. You can get that at sfdnetwork.com slash two. This was the second episode of the show. But the clip that I want to share with you is the one where Melissa talks about sort of the mindset behind sending cold email pitches, um, because it can feel very weird and uncomfortable. You're like, why am I just going to send this company this random email that feels so bizarre? Um, but Melissa does this. It works. Other designers do this. It works. These are strategies that are proven. They work. Uh, so if it feels weird to you, take a listen and check out the whole episode. Um, the other thing that Melissa says at the end—well, I'm going to leave it as a surprise. I'm not going to. I'm not going to burst the surprise bubble here. So take it away, Melissa.
3: Why would I <laughs> randomly email somebody? You know and say, well, I offer the service and, you know, do you need it? And this is how much I charge. Um, but there, there are ways that you can do that skillfully, um, and with, with finesse and not make it like super cold call, you know, like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So what I did was, you know, I obviously did a few drafts, a few iterations and really um, designed a pitch around who I wanted to work with and just shared with them my experience in the industry, why I, you know, went out on my own and what services I could potentially provide to their business if they were interested. Um, so I, I crafted this pitch and I, you know, researched some companies that I thought were interesting and, um, and then I just sent them an email. Um, so part of that was becoming educated from podcasts uh, a part of that might be me being a New Yorker and just being like, eh, well, what am I going to lose? They're just not going to open up the email, and, you know, <laughs> call it a day, move yes. on, you know. Um, and and I think another part of that was just being bold and brave. Um, you know, sometimes when you start a business, you don't know if it's going to succeed. Definitely what I would say to anyone out there who um, has either had a business or uh, is wanting to start a business um, just do it, you <laughs> know, just do it. Um, it might fail. I know this is like cliche. To th- I mean, this is not you know cliche, but this is taboo to say, um, you know, start something, but it might fail. But if you think about it, we all start things that have the potential to fail, whether it's a relationship, marriage, um, whether you're going to start a meal tonight, you don't know if you're going to burn that meal, but you're going to cook it. Right. <laughs> you know, like just, just go ahead and get it done and, and hope for the best um and then do the uh course correction you know as you see fit um and that's pretty much how i live my life i i work hard i do what i need to do i become educated i talk to people you know all that jazz and and i make course course corrections when i need to and i don't think twice about it because i'm human i'm not perfect And um, nobody is, but there are so many imperfect people out here crushing it.
0: So why can't I? (laughs) That's great. Okay, you guys, my actual absolute favorite part of that Snippet from Melissa was there are so many imperfect people out there crushing it, so why can't I? Oh my god, I love this more than anything. Um, it's so easy for us to kind of get in our own head and get in our own way. I'm guilty of this all the time. Uh, I try to be mindful and conscious of it all the time, too, though. But we all have our challenges, our failures, our mistakes, our mental BS that it's really hard to get through. But there are so many imperfect people out there doing an amazing job, and guess what? You and I, and all. All of us are just as deserving of crushing it as they are. So get out there and crush it. Again, if you want to listen to the whole episode and get Melissa's email pitch, she gives us away, gives away a free template for everybody listening um, that you can sort of edit and copy and paste to send out to brands to get more freelance work. You can check that all out at sfdnetwork.com slash two. All right, next up is the awesome, the one and only Marissa Borelli. Marissa is a super, super successful freelancer who I air quotes met on Instagram. Um, she does a great job of sort of posting a really good balance of personal and work-related stuff. And she's just real. I love that about her. She's just a real person. Um, anyway, I reached out to Marissa on Instagram. I was like, hey, I like what you're doing. Do you want to do this interview on this podcast thing I'm starting? She was the fourth interview um, on the show, so I didn't really have much to show her, but she agreed, and she was so fun to talk to. This is definitely one of my favorite conversations on the show. She's been freelancing for, boy, quite a few years, um, and she does really well. And she gets to work from home with her two twin boys who are adorable, and it gets... It provides her with this amazing lifestyle that she wouldn't get having a full-time job. And she talks all about how she built her freelance business, how she, you know, she talks about pricing and working for a rate that was too low because it happens to all of us. And she talks about pitching and going out and getting work and going to trade shows and sort of selling yourself. On that note, in this clip that I'm going to share with you today, she talks about how it's not always about sales, 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 though. Um, you're not constantly sort of throwing yourself in these brands' faces saying, hey, I'm a freelancer. Hire me. There's value. There's relationship behind it. And I love that because something I always say is relation or freelancing is a relationship business. And so in this clip, Marissa talks about... Um, you know, a cliche marketing term of touch points. And she has this great way to keep in touch with her brands that she's worked with and brands that she wants to work with and even some of her vendors and just people in the industry who you never know. Someone knows someone who knows someone who needs a project done and she could help them with it. So she keeps in touch with people and she's going to tell you exactly how she does that uh, both uh, digitally digitally. And then she also does some of it in person. So I will let you take it away, Marissa, and share your freelancing touch point strategies with us now.
4: So once a month, I send out an email, and it's I link five top articles about our industry. So it could be fabric, it could be you know how uh, how Lucy was closing all their doors, um, so and so's going public, things like that. Um, I'll link all, all those articles and just once a month, I do like a touch point basically like, Hey, I'm still here, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll, at the bottom, I'll do like a new picture of my portfolio just to kind of keep things fresh. Um, you know, like this is what I've been working on. Like I just did a, we- a wearable technology project. I worked on it last year, but it just launched this year. So I've been using those images and then I just got a wearable technology, a new client off of LinkedIn last week. So it, you know, it's just, it's keeping in touch, you know, it's this, how they talk about it in marketing touch points. Um, but it's not once a week, you know, it's just, it's once a month. Um, and then if I go to the trade shows, I used to go to OR and magic and all that. Um, you know, I just go by and say, hi, I'm not pitching them constantly. I'm just like, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still doing freelance. You know, I'm still, still have my pulse on all the trends and what's going on and mm-hmm. meeting with, you know, sourcing and, um, I, I kind of a touch base that way too, but it's not constantly, Hey, do you need freelance help? Hey, do you need freelance <laughs> help? Cause that's just annoying. <laughs> so.
0: I love the newsletter idea. That's really brilliant. Um, yeah, you Ooh, say- because go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. They look at you
4: like you're an expert. Yeah. And so it's showing them that, like, you're constantly, um, reading up on it, that you are an expert, that you, um, you know what you're talking about. Cause sometimes you're a lot, I mean, I, when I first started, you know, I was like 25. So I was younger than most of these people that owned the companies. Right. And so like, who are you? Why, why do I need to pay your hourly rate? You know, I just want to pay you $20 an hour. And you're like, no, that's not what you're going to pay me. You know, I'm worth X. So the more, um, the more knowledgeable you are, then like you can stand behind your hourly rate or your project rate um, because you know that you know what you're talking about, basically. And they don't always understand that because they might be new to the industry or they might be new to that section of the industry. Um, but yeah, so it's like constantly proving your worth, I guess, is a better way to say it.
0: All right, you guys. Such a great little clip from Marissa Borelli. If you want to listen to the entire episode of that, it is at sfdnetwork.com four. Again, that was one of my earlier episodes. Uh, Doesn't mean it isn't awesome, awesome, awesome. It was so value-packed. If you are interested in freelancing or think it might be something you want to explore or you already are freelancing, there's still so much to take away from Marissa's Uh, interview so check that out sfdnetwork.com slash four thank you so much marissa all right the next segment in the best of the successful fashion designer podcast for 2017 is on getting a job and working in the industry as an employee now first up we have dior and dior runs this awesome business called pepper your talk what I love about Dior's business is it is super niche to entry level and sort of junior designers. Uh, actually, let me rephrase: it's not designers; it's for fashion creatives. Because maybe if you're doing PR or you're doing you're a buyer or merchandising, any space in the fashion industry, she kind of covers. Uh, with her advice on Pepper Your Talk. And she's just so genuine and she cares so much about the success of, of all of us who are trying to get started in the industry. And she shares tons of that advice. Um, in this clip I'm going to share with you guys today, she talks about how you can kind of tailor your CV or your resume, even if you have no experience. And so I know one of the things a lot of designers or, or creatives in, in the fashion industry are curious about or frustrated about or don't know how to do is, well, how am I supposed to get, no one will hire me if I don't have any experience. And she has some really clever ways to sort of reframe some of your experience that may be from a completely unrelated job or maybe from your personal life on your cv or your resume so that it works for that job role that you're applying to and it's very simple to do it's just brilliant the way she goes about it um, if you want to hear the entire episode you can check it out at sfdnetwork.com 18 and now I will let Dior talk to you guys for a minute
5: if you have no experience and you want your cv to look good think about the types of jobs you're applying for and think about what the top five skills they require of you are. So if it's, I don't know, someone who's a quick thinker, someone who's independent, um, knowledge of computer programs, look at what you've done previously, even if it's things you do in your spare time, and think about how you can demonstrate those skills through those activities. Because skills are always transferable. There's always, you can learn something in one arena and completely like put it in a different space and make it make sense. So think about how, you can pull skills out of the things you do on your weekends or many projects you've worked on for yourself and make those shine. So for example, um there was a girl that came to me who wanted to like work in buying, but she's never done anything to do with buying before. So we looked at job descriptions, um, for I think buying assistants, assistant buyers and it was so easy. Like they wanted people who were commercially aware, people who had knowledge of trends and industry, Mm -hmm. people who were good on Excel with numbers and stuff. So we looked at things she'd done previously, no fashion experience, but we looked at how she'd helped out, I don't know, in her Saturday job and how she um, did stock take and stuff like that. And how that makes sense because in buying you work with numbers and with stock take you Mm -hmm. work with numbers. So we found ways to just make it look as though she had, not even look as though she had the skills, but, kind of she'd got her feet wet a bit in that, in those specific areas. And then with like commercial awareness and trends and stuff, she wrote down specific websites that she reads day in and day out. So like business of fashion, mm-hmm. um, wgsn and all those other trend websites and she it shows that she knows where to get this information and she's actively seeking this information on her own Mm. so it's it's just about being smart with the information you put everyone says lie on your cv and do that type of stuff but actually you don't have to lie if you just find ways to start doing the stuff without having the job
0: so one of the things i love that dior says is you know It's all about being creative with how you have to kind of shape the stuff you've done, whether it's working in retail or some personal hobbies. Shape it and package it and position it in a way that makes sense for the job you're applying for. Um, It doesn't mean lie but you know so much in marketing and selling which let's be honest your resume is a way to market and sell yourself and so much in marketing and selling is positioning and sort of packaging and again that doesn't mean lying but that means like getting creative with how you present something and so think about that you're a creative so get those creative juices flowing and apply that to your resume um she also says and i i Don't remember if it's in the clip or not, but she mentions in the episode a couple times that your CV, your resume should not be done in one night. So, you know, don't feel bad if it takes you a little bit of time. Get some feedback from other people and... It's always a work in progress. Um, You know, it doesn't mean you should sit on it and never send it out, but it also doesn't mean that it gets done overnight. So don't feel like frantic if you're sitting down for one session and you can't figure this out. Take a little bit of time, talk to some people, get creative on how you can position yourself in the market. All right, next up uh, related to getting a job and working in the industry is Chris Kidd. Now you may not know the name, but I guarantee that you know the website. Chris Kidd is the founder of StyleCareers.com. And this was one of the episodes that I got the most feedback from. You guys loved, loved, loved this so much. If you haven't yet, you have to listen to the full episode. Um, it's episode six. So it's sfdnetwork.com slash six. And Chris is a wealth of knowledge because he talks to these brands day in and day out. He talks to designers day in and day out. He does career fairs. And so he sees what they're working on and what their resumes and portfolios look like. And then he talks to the brands because they're posting jobs on his website. Um, if you're not familiar with stylecareers.com, it is the world's largest fashion only job network. And so it's a place to find jobs only for fashion. So it's the only site of its kind. And Chris shares so many, so many, so many amazing things. But the one that I picked out for you guys for this best of episode is specifically about finding a job when you are more experienced. And I'm not going to lie, what he says at the beginning might feel like it's soul crushing if you're a designer out there listening and you are more experienced and maybe you're in the job hunting process and it's taking you a lot of time first of all know that you're not alone Uh, but second of all chris gives us a very strategic and actionable strategy that you can use to set yourself apart so if you are experienced Um, And this actually, I would apply this to experienced or even entry level, Um, but experienced specifically, you need to do this on your resume. Uh, And Chris tells us exactly what you can do on your resume to make sure that you stand out and that you get the job over someone who's less experienced and cheaper. Uh, Because I know that can feel really hard if you get beat out just because someone was cheaper, but they have less experience. So here's how you can get your rate and land the job with a bunch of experience this is what you need to do on your resume take it away chris
6: you know companies are less willing to part with the money and then they can find talent that you know let's say a younger designer is as let's say 80% as effective as the older designer but she works for half as much you know the 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 money says you, you go with the younger designer mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so the you know the the challenge um for Um, you know, more experienced professionals is that they really have to be able to prove their worth and really sell uh, potential employers on the return on investment that they offer. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Um,
6: And and we we preach this a lot to people is, you know, most, you know, this is more, it's more obvious or it's more prevalent with younger designers or younger professionals. Um, But it's always like a money equation with any sort of employment. You know what I mean? Uh, candidates are selling labor and uh, you know, employers are buying that labor, right? And they want to make a profit on the labor. Right. And so the, the a lot of the designers, a lot of the professionals that stand out, they, uh, it, it's easier for them to sell their return on investment to potential employers sure, I'm 50% more expensive than this person, but this is what I bring to the table. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. So like what, if you were advising someone, what would be some of the things you could tell them to, um, to help show their ROI return on investment? Yeah.
6: You know, with, with, with experienced, um, uh, job seekers, it's important that they, um, you know, have either they They need to have a modern resume to begin with, right? So rather than having like an objective statement or even a summary of statement, they need to have select accomplishments. and in this in this, you know in this first you know few inches of your resume, you really need to be able to sell um, your labor. So you have you know bullet points with you know increased sales by twenty five percent, design mm-hmm. something that you know made x amount of dollars, saved x amount of dollars by instituting new process, whatever it is, you know, like if you can tell a company that you're going to either make them money or save them money within the first few inches of your resume, you have an advantage over other people.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Chris, for being really real with us there. Um, You guys, you do have to keep up and keep your resume modern. You know, it's not this old template that it used to be. You really do. You have to show brands value. You have to show them what they're going to get. Brands nowadays, businesses, you know, people are, I shouldn't even say nowadays, it's it's always businesses are running based on making money and they look at you as an investment and you have to show them how you're going to, return on that investment. So think about that. And if you want tons more insight, check out the whole episode. I highly suggest that you do, whether you're currently employed and you're maybe thinking about a new job or you're looking for a new job. Um, this is such a wealth of knowledge, uh, the entire interview with Chris. You can find that again at sfdnetwork.com six. And last up on the Best of the Successful Fashion Designer podcast for 2017, is a clip on fear. I very intentionally chose this one, uh, not just for the last one, but chose it in general, because this applies to all of us, every single one of us, no matter how much we may deny it. There is fear in our heads, and it often debilitates us from doing things. And I don't want to discount anybody's fear. But I do believe what Solomon says is right in this interview. And he talks a lot about sort of how you can, you know, not to get all hippy-dippy on you, but how you can sort of manifest things. And, you know, it's very easy to let your brain go into a tailspin and panic and fear and anxiety, and that prevents you from doing things. Um, And he has some tricks specifically to make that not happen. Um, Solomon is an amazing man. He and I connected randomly through my email list, and I've had a few conversations with him. Everyone is just amazingly genuine, and he's just a wealth of knowledge and inspiration and insight. Uh, I actually... D- I did two parts of a podcast with him. The first part was on creativity, um, and the second part of his show was on fear. We wound up talking for like an hour and a half, so I broke it into two. Um, The clip I'm going to share with you today is about fear, and it is at sfdnetwork.com slash 24. If you want to listen to the one about creativity, it's episode 23, so just slash 23. Um, Solomon has a ton of experience in the industry, I think maybe 15 years. He works at a big brand in LA, um, and he's just so cool, calm and collected and an amazing man. Um, I really hope you enjoy this clip. And if you want to listen to more again, you can check out his other episodes at sfdnetwork.com slash 24 or slash 23. If you want to listen to the one on creativity, they're both phenomenal. All right. Take it away, Solomon.
7: Meisner says action equals emotion right so Meisner celebrated acting teacher uh he had these ways of getting actors to get to a place that was authentic, and so you know some people call it act as if but uh and the emphasis being on the act as if right so behavior actually influences our emotional state, so one of the exercises that he used is he's like. Okay, so walk down a street on a sunny day, sl- uh, slowly quicken your pace, and start glancing backward. And by the end of the block, you will be terrified oh as though my somebody God. Is following you.
0: I'm, like, feeling panicked you, already.
7: <laughs> right? Because yeah. your body, like, when, and I theorize that what it is actually is that... Um, you know, feelings are a are a manifestation of a real or imagined external influence. So my body reacts to something that I'm I, that's actually there, somebody chasing me, or imagined that's there, imaginary somebody that's chasing me,
2: mm-hmm. and so
7: I can be terrified all by myself or in an actual situation. And so, you know, uh, my job is to, or not, no, uh, the, the option is there that I can act as if, um, or that I can behave in a way that fits what I want to feel. So if I want to feel accomplished, and I behave as somebody who is accomplishing, you know, and I can turn around and watch, like, look at examples. Um, you know, I do not want to, I don't, I do not want to feel like the girl who is sitting at her desk at eleven fifty-five PM, still on that project, panicking that it's not going to be done the next morning.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: So I behave like the girl who's super relaxed, who comes in at, you know, 9 a.m. who leaves at 5.45, always has her work done and is thriving. Right. So, like, there's, uh, and I, there are example there are endless examples around me. Like, I, you know, I'm prone, I definitely am prone to panic and anxiety and fear and desperation, mm-hmm. um, yet... If you ask any of my coworkers, if you ask any of the people uh, who have employed me, I'm known as the guy who is the relaxer, right? Like I walk into a meeting and everybody relaxes. I walk into a store build and everybody calms down um, because I behave in a way that it's calm, I behave in a way that is centered and that feels accomplished. Um, And then typically that manifests to I'm more planful. Things get done early and not late. Um, And everybody has a magical experience and is grateful that we all showed up for the job.
0: Thank you so much for those amazing words, Solomon. It's something that I am trying to do a better job of constantly reminding myself of. This whole "act as if" concept is something that it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to slowly work at it. Um, but I do know that I've been in situations where I can feel like I, I mentally, am on. I'm on the fence like if I let myself I could go into a tailspin of anxiety and panic and fear but if I talk to myself calmly and tell myself everything's going to be okay I will survive I got this I can pull myself back from that Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt that there's like those moments where you're like I know I could go into a tailspin and I could like heart racing red red faced all anxiety um but God, I almost like I'm shaking just saying that. I could let myself fall into that moment right now. Um, So think about that. Think about acting as if and really being mindful and conscious of the person that you want to be. And, and training yourself on that. I think at some point it can become a habit and it's not this big chore. Um, but just kind of flipping that switch and, and turning on that mindset. Um, if you guys don't know, I'm a big yogi. I practice, oh, I try to get out there five or six times a week. So mindset's a big thing for me. And it's something, you know, I've been practicing for about eight years and it's something that's taken me about that long to really understand and realize. Um, but mindset is huge and powerful. And so really think about that. Um, and if you need more support on... Setting a Really Great Mindset, check out both of Solomon's episodes, part one on creativity, sfdnetwork.com slash 23, and part two on fear, sfdnetwork.com slash 24. Thank you so much for listening to episode 32 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed the compilation of all of the best of clips for 2017. It was really hard to pull this show together. I re-listened to a lot of episodes. I made a lot of notes and it was really tough to sort of narrow down which episodes I wanted to feature and which clips from those episodes I wanted to check out. So again, if you want to check out any of the full episodes that you heard clips of today, all of those are linked in the show notes so take a look there and last if you didn't yet and you are interested in the ultimate guide to being a freelance fashion designer full of step-by-step actionable advice on how to get started how to grow your freelance business how to present your portfolio find new clients set and negotiate your rate you know all those hard things that nobody talks about I put it together in a 20,000 word ultimate guide just for you guys and it is absolutely free again you can get that at sfdnetwork.com slash freelance. And if you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, those are available at sfdnetwork.com slash 32. Thanks so much, you guys. I'll talk to you next week.